Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage. The f- I, I would like to say the Full Monty, which is a movie I've actually watched <laughs> during the uh, during the uh, pause here, and that means that Pierre LeBrun is also joining me and a terrific guest today, a friend of the podcast, NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, and. Bill, I understand you have gone through protocols. You are in the bubble in Edmonton, able to watch games the last couple of nights. And I'm just curious because you joined us on the podcast, man, it seems like 10 years ago, but early in the pause, and I was just looking at my notes here, 2,534 tests, no positive COVID tests. We're midway through the conference final two bubble cities, now one bubble city. And I'm I'm just wondering what it's like for you to be in Edmonton and to have come this far on the journey that uh, that began with the pause on March 12th. What's, what's it like for you? What, how are we, what's it like for you? Um, well, I, I'd say that, um, you know, we're certainly very pleased with, uh, you know, what we've been able to accomplish to this point. Um, having said that, we also recognize that, you know, we have roughly three more weeks uh, to go before we can award a Stanley Cup, um, and you know, knock on wood, hopefully we'll continue to have the success we've had. Um, you know that part of our protocols um, uh, required kind of daily testing uh, by all of the uh, the club traveling staff plus league league staff, um, and uh, you know we we to your point earlier. Um, we're approaching, I think, 30,000 tests uh, with a kind of a perfect score of, uh, of not having a single positive test for, for anybody uh, who traveled into the bubbles. Um, so, you know, again, uh, that probably is beyond what our expectations were going in um, on a, in a positive way. Um, and we certainly hope we can keep that going uh, to the completion of this season. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, the people here, our, our staff in particular, have uh, done a tremendous job uh, building both bubbles. Obviously, we've now closed the Toronto bubble, uh, had no incidents, no issues. Um, it was uh, very successful and the uh, uh, and we're having as much success uh, right now in Edmonton. So it's, uh, um, you know, I, I, we're we're pleased. And what's it like for you to experience it firsthand, Bill? Um, you know, in the sense that you, you know you're at the heart of this with the PA in terms of constructing this idea that becomes real, and, and now you finally get to live it. So, what's it like since you've been there? Uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's unique. Um, it's different. Um, you know, I I think the uh, you know the overall tournament, and uh, you know, I watched uh, most of it from home to this point. But I, I've been very impressed with the quality of hockey, the quality of competition um, for uh, players uh, who, you know, really didn't have a place to, to skate or, or condition themselves for such an extended period of time uh, to be able to uh, play at the level they're playing uh, currently uh, surprises even me. But it's, uh, you know, a testament to what great athletes we have, great, great, uh, uh, you know, participants in our game it's uh it's it's been good and uh you know I, I look forward to you know hopefully two competitive series here and and uh you know get into a stanley cup final that's going to be compelling 
Man, I, I think for a long time we viewed the return to play uh, process, all of the layers that went into it, and building the two bubbles, all of those sorts of things as a as a kind of a its own entity. And if that was all you had to do, I mean, that would be okay. But but you don't, right? Like you you now have to and have been for some time looking at okay, what's next? How do we transition from this return to play and an awarding of a Stanley Cup, as you point out, in the next three weeks to a 2020-21 season. And I wonder what where you're at in that process now, Bill, and what's that like to, you know, to sort of transition from this one massive exercise to something that may be even more daunting? Well, you're exactly right. Um, you know, there's no rest for the weary, for sure. Um, and you know, you know, knock on wood, we hope we'll be uh, successful in completing kind of this phase. Uh, but then we move right into the next phase, and and that uh, consists both of of what the off season looks like, and that's been kind of an active discussion between us and the players' association. Obviously, you know uh, now that you know the seven clubs who weren't uh invited to participate in the return to play plan um want some extra um days of of training for their players and certainly understandably so so we're we're in discussions with the players association about what that look like looks like i'm i'm currently reviewing a protocol for off season policies uh that uh, that will apply to all 31 teams in terms of of training in their facilities during the off season um, and then, a, as you point out, we have to focus on what next season looks like. And that's going to be an enormous challenge again. Um, and it's going to be a totally different challenge than the one we're just uh, trying to complete right now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take our time. Um, we're going to gather as much uh, as many data points as we can, whether it be from, you know, how uh you know, professional football looks this fall, how collegiate athletics look this fall, both football and hockey, and, and maybe to some extent basketball, and, and really what, what the European hockey leagues are doing and what their experience is um, and what their models are. Um, we're going we're gonna to try to learn as much as we can. Um, and when we have as many data points as we can and we need to make decisions, we're going to have to make decisions and hope, hopefully we we uh, uh, we can make the right ones. And, and Bill, one thing that I struggle with when I talk about this on, on the radio or what have you in terms of what next year can look like is that I try to envision how different our society dealing with COVID will be today in September as opposed to either December 1st when the league had hoped to start or whether it's delayed till January. I, I'm trying to foresee how the world could be different then. And I don't know how different it's it's going to be. I guess would would be my take on it right now. And and if that's the case, you know how how can you start? I mean, you know, not I don't I don't want to be negative, but I mean, I, I guess I'm struggling to feel feel the blanks on 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 some of that thought process. Well, I think there are always ways to play, right? So I I think uh, you know. What you choose to do in terms of playing is is really the more complicated question. Um, how do you put on a season? You know, we, we remain um, certainly intent on trying to have an 82-game regular season. Um, whether that's possible or not is is yet to be seen. But I, I, I do think, 
you know, the, the world does change every day. I do think there, you know, there are new developments, some positive, some not necessarily positive uh, that happen every day. And I, I think we'd be foolish not to take advantage of, of the lead time we have um, to make the best decisions we can make. And uh, I, I agree with you. I don't, you know, I, when, I go to, when I go to sleep at night, um, I don't know what next season is going to look like. Um, and I don't know what the best answer for that is right now. Um, I do believe we're going to have a season. Uh, I just can't tell you what it looks like right now. Yeah, uh, Billy, and, and you, you, I think when you were on with Pierre and I before, and we talked about the idea of, you know, how how important it is to have an eighty-two game schedule, a full twenty twenty-one season. I, I wonder if 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 that feeling has shifted at all as you try and balance. Well, how important is it to have 82 games? And if that means playing, as we've seen throughout Return to Play without fans, or is it is is the balance maybe changing on do we need to have fans in the building? And is that more important than 82 games? That if we play a shortened schedule with fans in it, is that maybe more of a priority now? I'm just wondering if the dynamics have changed in your discussions with the players and with other owners around the league. No, I think the priorities remain the same. I mean, look, we uh, we, we we still would love to be able to play an eighty-two game season. Um, you know, uh, again, um, I I can't sit here and guarantee that that'll be the case, um, but that continues to be an objective. It continues to be a goal. Um, you know, having uh, being able to play in arenas that have um, some fan presence, uh, if not a full building. Again, as an objective, it's a priority. It's a goal. Um, you know, so uh, <clears throat> you know we'll we'll continue to kind of see um, you know how uh, things evolve, uh, and you know hopefully we can achieve some of those objectives we set out for ourselves, including the eighty-two game season. Mm -hmm. and, and could you, with all the work that you guys have done behind the scenes? Uh, uh, you know, with your schedule maker, I mean, you could you could wait till January first and still do eighty two, I guess, if you were willing to play in the summer, right? I mean, I'm not saying that's yep. what you'll do, but but that is on the table, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, that's a possibility. I mean, if if, uh, if anything was proven this summer, is you know that they're you know having three games a day in in these facilities in the um, in the heart of August. Um, you know, wasn't problematic, right? We, we didn't, you know, a, a lot of people thought we'd be playing on, on wet surfaces that, that, that didn't transpire. The, the ice held up. Uh, ice quality was generally good. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, playing in the summer is, is not a problem for us. Having, having said that, you know, do I want to get back on a normal calendar and a normal cycle, a normal hockey cycle, particularly with the other elements of the hockey world? that we interact with, um, I, I would, you know, trying to go back to a normal cycle, um, you know, we're, we're going to try to get back to our normal cycle as soon as, as, as the uh, world events permit. Right. That makes sense. And it quickly, Scott, sorry to interrupt, but um, I mean, you mentioned the bubble and, and I mean, really it was the only way for return to play. It's been tough on, I think the players have made that clear, right? A long time away from their, from their families, those with families, it, it, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, because I don't want to overstate this, but it doesn't sound to me like a, you know, like a likely scenario where the bubbles come back next year 
when you have to go a whole year. Is that is that fair or or yeah. should you be? Yeah. No, that's I, I I think that's totally fair. I mean, this this uh, there's no doubt that you know what what'll end up being, you know, two plus months uh, in a secure zone with no interaction with the outside world, including your family members, is very very taxing. And it's not just taxing on the players; it's taxing on club staff members. It's club. It's taxing on league staff members and league staff members. You know, got there two weeks in advance, so it's even longer for for that group of people. Um, so it, that's not uh, does not present um, a model for a full regular season uh, by any stretch. So um, that's why when I, uh, I said before, I, I think what we're facing with respect to to how we construct next season and what it looks like is a, a totally different challenge than what we constructed. Uh, for the completion of the nineteen twenty season, um, and it's going to look a lot different. Well, and maybe just to to piggyback on that, Bill. Then are are there some? Uh, I assume there must be lessons that you have learned, or things that have whether it's part of your protocols or whatever that are or that may be applicable for next season. And if there are, you know, what would some of those be? Things that you've learned? You say, well, you know, if we have to do it this way, we know we can do it. You know, we can know we can use this model. Or there are things that you've you know, lessons learned through all of this return to play that might be applicable in 2021? Well, I, I think the answer to your question is yes. I mean, I think we've learned a lot. Um, and, you know, to some extent, trial and error, but not not a lot of error uh, to this point. Um, you know, so th- there are going to be realities that we have to deal with next year uh, that were realities that we are dealing with now uh, in, the, in the bubble. And, and uh, in terms of, of preventing the spread of the virus um, and the preventative measures, uh, you know, that we've employed and that we'll probably continue to employ, whether it be temperature checks or symptom checks uh, for people entering buildings, uh, um, whether it be testing on a regular basis on some, uh, you know, of some frequency. Th- those are all things that I think are going to continue to exist going forward, uh, at least for some period of time. Um, and, you know, they're going to have to be uh, made part and parcel of whatever plan we come up with for, for next season. Yeah, I thought you made an interesting point, Bill, about, you know, also learning from other leagues that are going to play here this fall. And, um, you know, and, and there may be leagues in different parts of the world where some rinks have some fans, some rinks have no fans. I mean, you know, I, I keep catching myself saying, you know, the NHL can't come back with no fans, but it may be, I guess I haven't thought of this, that, you know, maybe two thirds of your rinks have fans, some fans and some don't, but at least as a balance, perhaps there's a recipe there. Is that, again, a million things you guys are looking at, but I guess we have to open our mind a bit, right, to something like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, what you, you, you see it a little bit and you'll see it even more starting on Thursday and Sunday uh, in the NFL in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, their they're dealing with different conditions in different markets and different, you know, uh, health authorities and governments and local communities uh, approaching the pandemic differently. Um, and, you know, that's certainly going to be a reality that we have to face. The NFL uh, probably has the benefit of not having to do it in two different countries. Um, you know, we have that obstacle uh, of how, you know, we, we still have fairly high barriers uh, 
um, you know, between the United States and Canada currently and, and what they permit uh, in terms of crossing the border. And then once uh, you've crossed the border and, and, you know, what they require locally from a, from a health standpoint, uh, health and safety standpoint. So those are, you know, those are differences we're going to have to deal with. And there are certainly complications uh, that factor into to what ultimately we have to decide uh, this looks like. Great. Just one quick follow-up then before we let you go then, Bill. Obviously, you had a lot of discussion and worked very closely with uh, health officials in Ontario and in Alberta and obviously with the federal health people in Canada to make these bubbles work. Have you had discussions with the federal uh, officials or officials at the provincial level about what a 2021 season would be? look like in terms of moving teams back and forth across the border or is there a way to describe where you're at with that part of it no uh i have to be i have to be honest our, our communications with uh with the health authorities particularly in canada um uh you know in the last two months have been focused exclusively on on what we need to do in the bubbles and and how we implement and execute um this return to play plan uh, we have not had any discussions yet with respect to uh, what next year looks like. And quite frankly, it's probably a little premature to have those discussions until we have a better sense and handle on on, on what we want to try to accomplish. Um, again, you know, you, you learn from uh, things that go on uh, elsewhere and and obviously we, you know, we all took notice of, of you know, what what. Uh, you know what the position was with respect to the Blue Jays, and and uh, you know how how they were playing their games and traveling and and the like, and and what was uh, was was not permitted and and what was permitted. So I mean, those are all going to be relevant considerations for for all leagues, not just us. Um, you know, um, you know, as I said, luckily the NFL for them uh, don't have to deal with the you know the cross border issue, but. You know, virtually all the other leagues do have to deal with that issue. Uh, you know, and uh, and you know we'll we'll work through it. And with that in mind, Bill, as we let you go, I mean, is December first still a realistic goal for for opening night, or does it as each day goes by, does it feel more like January to you? You know what I, I what I'd say to that is it really it it almost entirely depends on what it is we decide uh, to do. And, and how we're going to approach it. Um, do I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, if I had a handicap it today, it's probably less likely uh, than more that we would start on December 1st. Um, but, you know, that's not set in stone by any means. Right. Perfect. Great stuff. Listen, thank you so much. Bill Daly for joining us today. You're in you're in bubble life now in Edmonton. I uh, I hope the rest of the uh, conference final and the final goes well. I expect now. Are you will you be on the ice then handing out the uh, the trophies at the end of the conference final? That's your that's that's sort of your thing. I assume that's part of your responsibilities in the next uh, week or week and a half. I I expect to do that. Yes. Um. So yeah. Now that uh, I don't that'll be interesting in and of itself. I will say. That you know, even even in uh, you know a health pandemic, I, I think the game on the ice looks a lot like the game on the ice always looks, uh, and how the players react, um, how they emote, um, how they celebrate, um, you know, the handshake line, everything. While, while you know, there's a higher level of of um, concern and and 
and the like and, and precautions, uh, you know, hockey players are hockey players. And, uh, and so I, I, and I, I think that's a good thing. I, I think the game looks like it's always luck. Yeah, I think you're right. So anyway, thank you very much. Stay safe and, and healthy. And thanks for spending some time with us and, and as always sharing your insights. So enjoy the rest of the, uh, the playoffs. Well, thank you for having me guys. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Take care. Bill. All right, guys. Well, my friend, that was very interesting. And we're going to take a uh, quick break and come back and unpack some of what Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly just shared with us. So don't go away. We will return with Two Man Advantage, the podcast. Now is the time to celebrate. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize, with a total of $3 million up for grabs for this Thursday's football contest. Getting in on Thursday night's single-game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using promo code MAYS, M-A-Y-S. Draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So, head to the app now to start making it rain. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code MAYS will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Download the DraftKings app now and use code MAZE. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss this extra special Week 1 bonus. Enter code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code MAZE, M-A-Y-S, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, what do you think, my friend? I, I, It's always, listen, Bill, it. It's always a treasure trove of uh, of information and insight when we get a chance to chat with Bill. But I, I'm I'm curious about what you take away from from his commentary. It's it, it's it, it strikes me that the league and the players, man, they, they there's a there's a lot of stones to turn over before we get to a point where we can say yes, this is what 2020 slash 21 is going to look like. Yeah, and uh, you kind of feel for Bill Daly and, and the league and uh, the leadership at the PA that the playoffs aren't even done yet. I mean, the Stanley Cup has not been awarded yet, and it, and that in itself, the fact that they could actually get through this without the worst you know, possible scenarios, yeah. they're not even having a chance to take a bow, and we're pounding <laughs> Bill Daly here today about <laughs> next year, but... The reality is that's what fans are asking us, and so that's our job. And and I, I thought we got, boy, some pretty pertinent updates from the NHL Deputy Commissioner uh, today on what next year may or may not look like. Um, you know, not surprisingly, but still, as far as I can tell, the first time that the league has officially admitted this, that December 1st is looking less and less likely, right? Um, yes. Um, so probably more a January start. Um, that's a key takeaway. Number two, despite reports sort of to the opposite 
um, it sounds like you can forget the idea of, of, of a bubble model for next year, right? Um, I think Bill Daly was pretty straight about that, that that doesn't seem to work when, when you're talking about the amount of time that a, a season's going to be and the fact that, you know, the players haven't loved the side of it where they're detached from their families. So that's another big takeaway right. for me, don't you think? Yeah, yes, although I would say that when, that, at least for me, that the idea of bubble hockey for all of 2021, uh, you, you're right, is off the table. I do wonder, and I, I talked to somebody the other day about this notion, well, you know, is this next season going to be a bit of this and a bit of that in order to get to 82 games, right. which again, you know, Bill, you know, he reinforced that, you know, obviously, ideally, you want 82 games, and for a host of reasons, right? You got a television contracts, you've got a lot of things, you've got Seattle coming in, a lot of things at play, and 82 games is is an important marker. And so, someone suggested to me, well, could you do hubs for bubbles, a series of bubbles for you know two weeks, and then teams get a week off, and you know, could you bridge a point? to where fans could come back in and just maybe travel is a little bit more, um, you know, can be done by teams. Um, but I did talk to an owner who was like, listen, that, you know, in the short, you know, maybe in the short term, but that's not sustainable. And and right. I assume that's what Bill's talking about. They're, yeah. He, not he didn't leave bubbles. a lot of leeway for the bubble idea. I thought he came across yeah. basically saying, we're not doing that unless you know, I have to go back <laughs> and hear his answer, but that's, that's <laughs> what I took from it. I don't know about you, but yeah, and no. now, having said that, clearly the, you know, the biggest takeaway of all is that they don't know yet what next year's going to be and that they have to sort of stay nimble. So that's important to, to start off with that frame of mind as we discuss this. But, um, you know, and, and clearly, you know, the, the Canadian border, the Canadian-U.S. border is, is a huge issue. Yes. And, I mean, frankly, as a Canadian living in Toronto, I, I I'm... You know, I'm glad I like the way the Canadian government has handled things so far, to be quite honest. Um, yeah, I'm a, but I'm a little bit hurt by that, by the way. But, anyway, <laughs> but, go ahead. Uh, but it's it's you know, it's, it's certainly not good for the NHL if it continues forever. I mean, again, he Bill Daly mentioned the Blue Jays, um, you know, who can't play at home during this abbreviated baseball season or playing their game, home games in Buffalo. So the border, yeah. you know, the border is going to be an issue for the NBA, for baseball and for hockey next year, depending on how long the Canadian government feels uh, it, it, you know, has to put up this barrier with its uh, cousins to the south. Um, so so we'll see how that plays out as well. But, yeah, it, you know, interesting that while Daly was willing to allow that the reality is December 1st looking less likely, still pretty, um, I wouldn't say adamant, but I, I would say it's still pretty clear that wants 82 games, right? Um, yeah. You know, because you've heard a lot of talk of shortened seasons, which it still could end up being. But I think for now, and by the way, it's not just for the league and the owners. I mean, the players want 82 games, right? <laughs> Otherwise, their their salaries uh, start to shrink. So that that's a big takeaway, too, is that, you know, even if they start in January, uh, Daly says they there is a template out there to sandwich 82 games, which, you know, would mean uh, Hawk in the summer. Yeah, well, and I talked to somebody else about this too, which is, you know, next summer becomes a different beast entirely than this summer because when the Olympics were postponed from the summer of 2020, it, it allowed what we're seeing now, right? Basically play, 
you know, what exhibition games, I guess, late, uh, late in July and then playoffs right through to August and through September. Well, if the Olympics go in Tokyo next as they're scheduled, that presents a, a, a sort of a, a line in the sand in terms of broadcast, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if your broadcast partner in NBC is, is doing the Olympics in, uh, I should have looked it up now, late July though, let we you know that you can't just go as long as you want, basically. I guess. No, I, I, and I wasn't suggesting they'd play into August, I, but but I sorry, right. I should have been clear on that. But it does allow for no, 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 it's a, it does allow for the Stanley Cup final itself, like like July to almost act like the normal June. So usually the Cup final is awarded second week of June. You know, do you play a schedule where you can get the Stanley Cup right into mid July, right? Um, and then you're right. Then then allow the Olympics to to start after that. So I think that's probably on the table. Again, there's so many different variables to all this. Hard for you know the league at this point to wrap their hands uh, around it. And you know, and, and I think a lot of honesty there from Bill Daly. You know, when I tried to share, frankly, how not very intelligent I am when I, I, I no, because I my, my point is I'm on the radio all the time for TSN, and it's like, yeah, what am I seeing today in our society now that leads me to think? how much would be different in January and from the point of view that we need that for, for money to come in you need some fans not full crowds but some fans and right now I don't see it so I'm just trying to connect the dots right and and I thought it was refreshing to hear his answer he said listen he stays up late at night thinking about it too and he's a deputy commissioner right um, so I think we're gonna have to wait and see and hope that there are, you know, medical um, breakthroughs here. I'm not talking about the vaccine per se, although we're, you know, we're that'll be an amazing day. But, but even short of that, you know, are there, you know, medical breakthroughs where suddenly you can test eight thousand fans on a way into a building and you know right away how they're feeling. I'm not talking about a temperature check, but an actual COVID test. You know, real time. You know, that would be a game changer, would it not? Uh, you know, in yeah. terms of having smaller crowds with distancing in a safer manner. So these are all things, obviously, the league is and the PA are looking at. Yeah. So I looked it up now because I'm I'm like you. I'm like, uh, I should have looked that up before. Uh, the Olympics begin, ten, well, if they're going to happen, they're going to they begin July 23rd. Right. Uh, and then end August 8th. So, yeah, so you're right. that it. I, and I didn't mean to say you were saying, oh, we could just do the same thing again next summer and run right yeah. through Labor Day. But uh, it does... It does give you sort of an end point where you could say, well, if we are, if we're going to do 82 games, you know, you can back it up from, you know, this, you know, from this point in right. July. So, or so, whatever. so let's say, yeah. So, you know, usually you're done second week of June, right? Yep. So let's say you give yourself till, I don't know, what, July 20th for a game seven? So three days before the sure. Olympics? Okay. So that, so that's an extra five weeks. Okay, so now yep. now you're giving yourself five weeks. Now we know they've they've told us this both sides. No bye weeks if there's 82 yep. games. No all star. So how much does that buy you? Probably uh, that buys you probably two more weeks. Okay, so now you've you've worked up seven weeks, right? Yep. Okay. Call it two months. Okay, two months. So you know, no October, November. We know that. And now maybe December's in in peril. 
Um, so you're short about four weeks. So this, you can actually almost do a normal schedule without the four weeks that you're missing right now. And you know what that means. Three games and four nights through and through. I mean, it's going to be the most compacted schedule ever, basically, if they play 82. Yeah. And, you know, that's there's no guarantee of that. Um, yeah. But, but at least that was a good exercise for United to go through. I mean, and that was in the simplest, raw, <laughs> most non-intelligent form possible. But, but, but you know, tack on five weeks at the end, take off two weeks in the middle where you used to have the bye week and all-star, and you start to make up some of the time that you have by starting in January. I mean, it is doable. Yeah. Well, and listen, you know, we're going to take a break and then we'll we'll go on to some hockey stuff. But it is like it is such a fascinating topic because there are so many things at play, as you point out, the border, how many fans and and really how different it is in, in you know, across the United States. Right. I mean, it's it's so different, you know, in California versus, you know, where where the teams in New York are right now. So all those variables. But I will I'll go back to this and. You and I, we talked about this a lot, right? Right after the pause and all the way through and what would return to play look like. And and I know, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think there was a healthy sense of skepticism. Oh, for sure. And, for sure. And actually, and actually as, you got, as you became more optimistic, I became more pessimistic. I was like, zero chance they can make all this work. I just, there was no, like, I just thought too much could go wrong. And here we are. And so I guess what I'm saying is, you know, maybe I'm Pollyanna, but maybe, and Bill sort of mentioned, taking advantage of this runway, this lead up, okay, start to turn over the stones. What could we do? Could we do this? How does that work? I guess what I'm saying is that what they have done with the return to play and how well it's gone, it just strikes me that, well, it just means everything's going to be on the table. And it's going to be way different than we thought, but maybe they find a way to make it happen, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's what I got out of it, too, that they'll just try and, and find a way, given what's at stake. And um, and again, I, I think there's so many things that have to play out. And, and again, I, you know, I think we have to mention this, but also the threat of a second wave of, of COVID and how that impacts mm-hmm. society sure. and, and obviously sports because of it. So still lots to play through here. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still bitter that you you so you just want the border closed forever or just you know just let me know. All right. Uh, anyway, yeah. Oh. All right. So we're gonna take a break and we're uh, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk some hockey and what's going on and what else is on your mind. So don't go away. We'll come back and we'll uh, wrap up this week's edition of Two Man Advantage. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray. Both super practical, and they smell great too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Traveling Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Boxer Briefs 
might be one of the best parts of this collection. They have an optimal temperature control with their crop tooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. So I'm curious, it just sort of, it's now this sort of, you know, the dominoes have, have, have sort of started to fall because you were, you have uh, reported and, and I know Bill had, had talked about, you know, his uh, dialogue with the Players Association and, and all the teams, but it, it you know, it looks like the draft is going to be accelerated. So it's moved up, what, to the October 6th, 7th from 9th, 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder, so, you know, I, like in terms of hockey decisions in terms of getting ready now i mean that's uh, already a short window now it's uh, the draft is a little bit closer do you think that accelerates well let me just ask it this way what, what do you think the what are the, the the repercussions of even changing though the the draft dates those number of days making it closer it just it's, I, I, it's right on top yeah of it. <laughs> i i don't know that there's much of an impact so teams were informed uh what's today wednesday so teams were informed uh Tuesday uh, that the draft was moved up to the 6th and 7th and that the start of free agency would be October 9th at opening at noon Eastern. The, the interesting thing is, and I tweeted the last part out after Alec Freeman reported the draft dates, I reported the free agency date. <laughs> In the aftermath of that, I found out from a source at the NHLPA that the players hadn't quite signed off on uh, free agency yet even though the teams had been informed of it by the league. So kind of interesting. Uh, and I don't think there's any, there's nothing. I, that's just one of those things where I think wires got crossed there. And so we'll see. I mean, I guess if the PA has an issue with the agency being October 9th, we'll find out in the next 24 to 48 hours. I I tend to think that I don't know why they would. Um, but the, the, the real answer to your question is not so much the fact that the draft was moved up whether that has an impact on front office thinking. I think it's more the fact that it really hits home now that, you know, normally, you know, the draft would end like some somewhere between the 23rd and the 26th. And and then yeah. you got about a week for July 1st. And, uh, you know, in this case, it's uh, two days later <laughs> for free agency. And, and so, and, and one really does have to happen before the other sometimes because you have trades that are often – you know, affected by whether first or second round picks or third, any pick are moved in that draft that affect right. uh, trades that also affect a potential free agent offers. What, like it's a whole, it's a whole domino thing. It's a chain of events, and and so that tight window is going to put a lot of heat on uh, on front offices. And I thought it was interesting when we had Jim Rutherford, the Penguins GM, last week on our podcast. He kind of liked the idea of a compressed. Um, you know, pressure points. Let's go. Let's get at it. You know, yes, make right. your best offer yeah. and let's go. And that's not surprising if you know Jim Rutherford because he likes to wheel and deal. But it will, uh, I mean, it it should set up uh, for a flurry of activity within a few days, no question. 
Well, and, and throw in the fact that now you're talking about a virtual draft for the first time. So that's a whole other mm-hmm. wrinkle. And you've got, like, I really enjoyed your Q&A with Bill Zito, the new GM of the Florida Panthers. So talk about you know, going right into the fire. Ooh. You know, he's taken on this new job and his team is, you know, they've got lots of issues and haven't done a very good job of drafting and developing players. And so that's one thing. What about the Arizona Coyotes? Uh, no GM and basically no draft picks either as a result of various things, including mm. the uh, NHL's punishment for cheating on the uh, draft combine. But they don't have a GM. And and for me, that team is so fascinating because it's it's not just the draft and, the, and they did get hammered. Uh, by the league but it's well how do you so how do you move on from that I know lots of discussion about do you trade a guy like Darcy Kump or how do you you know how do you respond right and who's going to do it who's in charge well they do currently have a GM by the way the interim GM and Steve Sullivan the 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 uh, Timmins tornado good guy Uh, but you know they have been interviewing candidates over the last little while here and and you know time is of the essence obviously they figure that out um it, it it really is a bit of a mess there and it's you know in some ways too bad because you had this really feel-good story with you know uh, with, with Morello coming in and yeah you know putting new blood and a new vantage point on that franchise which has been kind of a oh, how would you put it uh, you once referred to them you know as Gongdale uh, they play in Glendale but th- th- just a a series of different ownerships and you know i you know you hope that this is it that that they will figure it out figure it out with, with alex morello and you know that the thing is it's going to get worse before it gets better i think because what's going to happen especially in the pandemic here and with teams struggling financially is i think a team like arizona is there's probably going to be financial pressure on the new gm to cut payroll to be honest yeah and yes. and whether that's trading a kemper or actually willing to listen on OAL I mean I I don't know where it ends but a the fact that they have one of the highest cap numbers in the league is not going to continue under those sets of circumstances so that puts the new GM under tremendous heat um notwithstanding the fact that it's not really a young team and now they don't have a first round pick two years in a row not to mention they don't have a second round pick this year either so uh that's a pretty dire game script quite frankly, for that franchise, and especially if Taylor Hall walks, although we'll see, you know, whether he's willing to resign or not. Um, My guess is he will definitely want to at least listen October 9th to what's on the market before deciding whether or not he's leaving Arizona. Um, And so that's that's not a good look for anyone uh, that things are playing out this way uh, in Arizona, quite frankly. Yeah, and I'm with you, Ed, and I, I really thought that they had, you know, that they turned a corner, and uh, you know, there was lots of reason to be optimistic. And I think, you know, we had Rick Tockett on, uh, on Two Men Advantage, and it was, you know, it was just such a great guy, and, and really, I think, a tremendous coach. And, um, yeah, it's uh, one step up, two steps back, I think, for that. Well, and I, I mentioned and, Rick Tockett in one of my notes this week, Scotty, because uh, there's a half a dozen coaches that are entering the final year of their deal. And actually, I forgot to mention one of them, Jeff Blaschel's one as well. But, you know, I mentioned that uh, John Tortorella, Rod Brindamore, Rick Tockett, uh, Travis Green, and Jeremy Colleton, uh, all six of them uh, are entering the final year of their deals. 
And, um, you know, some of them are going to be extended before next season. Travis Green, I think, will be one of them. Um, and, and actually, there's potential for a bunch of them to, to be extended. But, you know, I didn't know really what to say for the Tockett situation because I don't think it's just a situation where, well, you know, what do the Coyotes want to do with Rick Tockett, who's been excellent there and really maximizing what he has there. Um, but for financial reasons, you know, like, like what are they going to do with him? I think he better ask the right question. I mean, how does he feel about things, right? I mean, yes. does he want to extend there? So I think that's another situation that bears monitoring. I mean, a guy that's pretty well respected in the coaching ranks. Yeah, no question. And it, it's going to be, I talked to a coach today, he said, you know, the, the we may have seen, at least for a long time, the, the, the sort of salad days of coaches getting you know, it's starting with Mike Babcock and mm-hmm. Joel Quenville. We, you know, those days may be gone because it's, uh, you're, as you alluded to, there are a lot of teams that, you know, never mind can they spend to the cap. It's what, how much money are they going to be able to spend anywhere in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in hockey ops. And I talked to a coach today who said, I, I think that there will be a lot of, it, it's going to be, it may not be a pretty off season in terms of coaches you know, either being, you know, cutting coaching staffs in, in, in terms of numbers, but also in terms of the amount of money that they're willing to spend on coaches. Uh, so, Well, and, I, you know, maybe we'll get a, an early indicator when the Washington Capitals hire their coach. Um, um, I can tell you that they have interviewed really three marquee names, which we suspected would be the case, right, Scott? But they have, in, in fact, interviewed Gerard Gallant, Peter Laviolette, and Mike Babcock, all three. And um, I, you know, my understanding is that if all all goes well, they they would like to hire one of those three. But again, that also means negotiating a contract with one of those three. So so that'll be interesting, given what you just said about perhaps the new market, the new reality, or still have to pay for guys of that quality and experience, right? So uh, and that'll be interesting. Not to mention all three under contract with their former teams um, past this year and that has to be ironed out as well between the Capitals and their former team. So keep an eye on that one. That'll be interesting. All right. Uh, I'm going to let you go, but we haven't, we didn't even talk about the conference final. Ah, so well. I could, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> I, I know. I just, okay. Final. You uh, talk final about, you, you've been talking about them every day on your fake two man advantage podcast without me. So it's all good. Yeah, I tell you, it's not fake. I had our good pal Chris Johnson on. I saw that. AJ Malesko's coming on tomorrow. We got Colby Cohen. I, I, it's going to come Arbonne down. Basu. It's going to come down to Chris Johnson and I in the football pool. I think. Don't you think? Because we <laughs> loaded up on draft picks with trades last year, so we it was almost like cheating. Chris and I, we had so many draft picks. <laughs> I didn't even. You know what? I didn't even mention the uh, f- football pool with Chris Johnson, and he was too much of a pro to mention it, even though. It looks like uh, my squad may be, even though we changed our name this year, so uh, we're, uh, we may be in trouble. So, All right. Well, as always, my friend, it is fine work by you, and uh, you should always check out the uh, other podcasts in the athletic podcast universe. Ken Daniels, what a, such a great guy. Do you know I've known Ken Daniels for like, a hundred years when he was back doing sports in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the longtime voice of the Detroit Red Wings joins Craig Custance this week on the full 60 at the Athletic. Um, Thomas Trance, Jeff Patterson recapped the season of the Vancouver Canucks. 
and what is next for this fine franchise. Might have a little goaltending discussion, I bet, on that uh, podcast. Mm. The Van Cast at The Athletic. You should uh, check out our comments section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. And if you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, subscribe now and save. Do you know, I'm interrupting my own promo here, but one million subscribers, pal, for The Athletic. I was going to say, be the uh, be a million and one. Be that yeah. person. Yeah, be yeah. it. Light up. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. That's unbelievable. I, that's, a, that's a bargain. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage to receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. We hope to see you there, and we hope to see you back tomorrow morning. Two-man advantage, real or fake, I guess you'll have to decide on your own when you tune in tomorrow morning. But Pierre Lebrun, always a pleasure to connect with you and spend some time with you. Thank you, my friend. Right on, right on.